Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Tiger Shulman Smithtown Podcast. I'm Sensei James Leonelli, owner and head instructor of Tiger Shulman's in Smithtown. I'm here this week joined by one of my long-term students, Dominic, who we call Dom around the school. Dom, say hello, please. Hello. How you guys doing? So, Dom, tell us a little bit about you uh, and your life outside of the school. Well, uh, I'm 27 years old, and I've been training here at the school for 11 years now. Uh, outside of here at Tiger Shulman's, I work in the culinary fields, I work in restaurants, and on top of that, I dedicate a lot of time to training here ever since I had my return a few years ago. So let's talk about your initial entry into this school. Uh, as Dom mentioned, he was, he's been a student of mine for a number of years. He was among my first crop of students that was here at Very Serious for a number of years back uh, when I first opened the school almost 13 years ago. So Dom, tell us what originally brought you into the school. Well, prior to training here, uh, a lot of the things I did, I was on a swim team, I was in a fencing club, and those kind of fell off as I got older. Uh, I have an older brother who started training with you for, I want to say, close to a year before I started training. So it was really him who was training that got me onto training with you. A very common theme in the school where one family member starts and another family member follows suit in a very, very, very short order. Uh, so tell us about your early experiences in training uh, and, and the levels and stuff that you went to, uh, the experiences that you had, the memories that you have from that time. Go ahead. Well... Things definitely were, uh, there were a lot of fun starting out. It's still fun now. It's just crazy to see and look back what the school used to be, what we used to do, the close-range self-defense techniques in the beginner uh, core class, what we used to call it, and techniques we did then, how grappling was, the layouts, and being now and seeing how much it's changed, you know, the difference in the levels of training, you know, everyone experiences and everything that, we used to do it compared to now is it's kind of funny to look back you know yeah. we, we, all the old students will come back and be, remember we used to do this remember we used to do that you know, so it's it's funny to reminisce about that the older stuff but everything we do now is you know such a step up you know intensity wise it's incredible well it's, as someone with more than a decade over you in martial arts experience mm -hmm. it's been something that i've experienced with tiger showmans over and over and over and over again you know and obviously i always speak to tiger showmans because that is my martial arts experience that's what i've spent 23 years of my life doing and having as a center of my life but you're 100 percent right if you compared the classes to when I signed up 23 years ago, the energy is always the same, the intensity is always the same, the discipline is always the same, the quality of the way things are taught is always the same, but we evolve with time, and we always have, which has been one of the things that kept me in love with Tiger Shulman's for as long as I've been in love with it, because it, as things have gotten more and more modern in the world, we've also gotten more and more modern in martial arts. You want to speak to that a little bit? I think it's it's true how you know things modernize things change. Uh, even some of the things in the past few years that we've changed, uh, you know, it's changing for the sake of tradition. You know, for example, going from our white pants to black pants. But thinking back to then when it was viewed as karate, and now it's mixed martial arts. You know, it, it took a step up. And a lot of people hear karate, they think I guess that traditional standing in a, a rider stance and doing the katas. Whereas now, where it's you hear mixed martial arts, a lot of people I think they'll think UFC stuff like that, and you know I think it caters to both people. If they were to hear karate or mixed martial arts, people still are enthralled to hear that if they want to get in that combat sport 
type thing. So, see, I, I always think we kind of cater somewhere in the middle. I think when people hear karate nowadays, they visualize uh, like the scene from Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze mm-hmm. up on top of the mountain doing his kata in slow motion with the wind blowing through his hair, and that's how they view karate. Or they see it as little kids with colored belts running around mm-hmm. and throwing crazy punches and kicks in the air. Uh, so they, they view that extreme as karate. And I feel like the other extreme, like you mentioned, they think about like a cage and like oh, you know, the four-ounce gloves and people punching each other in the head. And our school, though you're learning those skills of the mixed martial artist it's there's no cage there's none of that craziness no. you're learning the real life skills while being able to train as a layman as someone who is you know a, a parent is the majority of my students as an everyman you know very 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 few students ever go on to compete but you're still going to learn the same high quality skills as someone who does go on in, in, into a competition and it gives you the peace of mind to walk around with your held, head held high. Now, Don, one of the things that has always intrigued me about your story is you are uh, a comeback story mm. in a very, very big way, in, in the literal sense, actually. Because like many other people, life kind of threw you a curveball mm. back when you were here training years ago. So tell us what happened uh, years ago and how it went down. So... I had initially started, we were at the old location, you know, training consistently. It was there with my brother. He eventually fell off because of work. And then we moved here to this location. And around then I was 18, 19 years old. So college was happening. I was in school. I was away at a military college for a year. So every other weekend I was home. And so maybe every once in a while I would train. But being at that age, I had school and work and girlfriends. And so I was very preoccupied with that. I prioritized a lot of that uh, instead of training here. So being away now for two, maybe three years at college, focusing on that. And I was, I was very busy. I went through a move. I lived in my own apartment for almost a year. And things were just hectic, you know, at the age of now 23 or so. Um, so I was busy with all that. And after a while, trying to get my feet on the ground, I was in the culinary field, I'm working, I'm trying to find a good job. Wasn't really working out too well, and I wasn't training, so things kind of just not necessarily went completely downhill, but now being here and training, realized things would have been better if I was training. So now let's cut to where I'm 24, almost 25, where it's close to winter time it's around december and i started having uh severe medical issues where i had like bad stomach issues couldn't find out what it was i was in and out of doctors and hospitals for two months or so only to find out that it was a like a bad case of gastritis and after getting all the diagnosis finding medicine for that uh because i was very sick with it though during the winter season uh, the girlfriend I was with, she wasn't too happy with where we were. She ended up breaking up with me. Of course, heartache. That's what happens when you're younger. <laughs> so, ended a relationship. I got fired from my job because some people had to get laid off. Of course, because I was sick a lot, I had to get laid off. So, I lost my job, lost my girlfriend, lost my apartment, and now I'm 
living with my father and I couldn't find a job. I couldn't find work. It made me extremely depressed and anxious where I was so anxious that I wanted to go out of the house, but I was so depressed I couldn't leave the house. So I didn't know what to do for a good three months. I was awful. Eventually, day in, day out, I just wasn't doing anything. And there was just one day where I just wanted to drive around town, and I passed the school. And I thought to myself, I went home, and I said, I still have a home there. You know, I didn't leave on bad terms. I kind of left out of the blue. I didn't say anything because school and life and everything was going on. So it was unfortunate that I left without giving notice. It was unfortunate that I didn't stick with it. But being at the state where I was and just knowing that I wasn't going anywhere and it was awful, I was miserable. But like I said, I knew I had a home here still. So the next day I came in, you and Joshua were at the front desk, said hello. It's great to see you guys again. And I told you that I wanted to train again. And so you guys gave me a schedule, told me what classes to come into. And I started coming again. As I recall, it it did take a couple of times you coming back in the door and us giving you a schedule a couple Mm -hmm. times and setting Mm -hmm. up a class or two for Mm -hmm. you to get yourself back on track. Yeah. Well, like I said, school and life just kept getting in the way. Um, But I suppose that final time where I started training regularly, I remember one time in particular, I was training for about a month and I was still having some anxiety, you know, coming back. It was new to me and just working out intensely like this you know it was it was foreign to me and it was tough physically mentally it was tough i remember one instance where i came in for class it was an eight o'clock eight thirty class or so and i was so anxious i was sitting in my car where i actually went home because i just didn't feel well enough to come in for class so i got home i beat myself up and i said that's not happening again i was like you're stronger than that so i know you can do it so after that I never really used anxiety for an excuse to not take class. So from then on out, kept training, kept coming in. For about a year and a half, wouldn't miss a class. Eventually let me in on grappling again, intermediate level classes. And I'll never forget it, where it, it was about a year and a half or so, where I was there at the level of low blue belt, still wearing my low blue belt from, I got from the old school, was old it was beat up had it for nine years or so i had that low blue belt and as you do the belt promotions i remember you speaking on behalf of somebody didn't at the time had no idea it was me but i remember what you said where you had said this belt was for someone who fell off that horse and got back on and i like fell off the horse and down a cliff and into a river and so i (laughs) i fell off that horse hard and that belt was for me. I got my uh, my low yellow belt. Uh, you don't know this, but in my bag, ever since, not my low yellow, but my low yellow belt, or my solid yellow belt, I should say, when I got that belt, that's when I started carrying my low blue belt in my bag. Mm-hmm. So I always look at it as a reminder to look back. When I wasn't training, I was anxious, I was depressed. I didn't feel like I was achieving anything. And so now when I see that, I say that's what I was. But look at me now. Everything that I've done because I started training, I feel more confident. I feel capable, you know, of handling the training and everything outside of life just because I started training again. So coming back and being consistent again really, you know, is a life changer to come back. It's Hmm. such a common story. 
And I obviously, you know, as, as a martial artist, as someone who does martial arts for a living, I always relate things back to the martial arts journey. Uh, but the story of falling off path of something is so common. Think about how many people that you know in your life that they started college and they ended college five credits short, three credits short of being able to finish their degree and they just never got back to it because life threw them off track. Right? Or people who, you know, they were getting in shape. They were Maybe they were going to a traditional gym and they were getting in shape that way and life got in the way and then all of a sudden they're in way worse shape than they started their journey. Or they have that household project that they went and they bought all the supplies for and they were so completely motivated, they drew diagrams. They knew exactly how they were going to build this thing and now still the supplies 10 years later are still sitting in the corner of their basement because life got in the way. Mm. Life's going to do that. It's going to do that with everything. It's going to knock you off of path in any journey. Sure, martial arts is an easy one to relate to, but on top of that, the most important thing about life is the getting back on the horse. Mm. Getting on the horse originally, I, I talked with, with John about this recently when he and I sat down, uh, John who had the shoulder injury from episode four, that the hardest step is not the first one. That one is, is hard, don't get me wrong, but way harder is getting back on track after you've fallen off because you have such a clear picture in your mind as to where you were. So you, you reference having that, that uh, it was a high blue belt that you had for nine years. Mm. You had it for nine calendar years. Yeah. But it wasn't nine years on the mat. Mm. So when you subtract all the time that you weren't here, I subtract, uh, probably if I had to it, make an estimate, it was like between five and seven years, something like that. If you subtract that off, you're time traveling in your memory. You're going back to the Dom that earned that high blue belt, that was training super consistently, that was hitting all sorts of milestones. So you not, when that picture is so clear in your mind, it's so tough to get back on track when you don't feel anything like that person. Hmm. You know, I, I've been very lucky in my training in that I've never had any kind of injuries or anything that have knocked me off path for more than a, a couple of weeks. But to be out for years, I understand how intimidating that is to come back because I've seen so many people try it. So many people walk in the door, get a schedule, I'm coming back, and I never see them again. Or I see them again a year and a half later, I've got my schedule, these are the classes, I'm coming back, and then I see them again in two years. It happens so, so often because that's life. Life throws us curveballs. That's inevitable. But to get back on the horse, that's the thing that makes a person exceptional. Because life's going to throw everybody off the horse. It just is. That's no different for anybody's story. That's the same for everybody's story. The people who are exceptional are the people who get back on the horse. So now that you've been back for a couple of years, Dom, and you've been on track and so forth, let's talk about some of the landmarks that you've hit through your training, the achievements that you've collected that have you feeling on this high that you have now. Like, for example, you've competed. Tell us about that experience. So COC was June of 2019. That was the first one I ever did. And I was at a, a weird scenario where I weighed 160 pounds, and the biggest thing for me was deciding drop five pounds, be heavy in that division or gain 10 pounds, be heavy in the next division or stay where I'm at. And I figured in my best mindset was to drop the weight, get to 155, compete there. 
that was a little bit tough, but once he eventually I hit there kind of easy. Then it came to competing there at the Raritan Center, and I was there with my, my girlfriend, my best friend, and my dad came to help support me. And you had, I, like, an army that day, oh, I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, funniest thing about that was I weighed in, and I had, a like, half a loaf of bread, a bunch of protein bars in my bag, and as soon as I weighed in, I just started eating. I was so hungry. <laughs> but anyway. Actually, the thing I remember the clearest, to be honest, is your dad's outfit that day. <laughs> <laughs> He's very stylish. That is true. <laughs> so I did the kickboxing division. I did grappling. I had grappling first. And, you know, you, you hear from everybody their first time competing where it's the nerves that get to you. You know, we're, we're all at, at an exceptional level. We're confident enough to compete. But once you get there on the mat, in front of the judges, in front of, you know, spectators, nerves get you a little bit. Let uh, me ask you a question. Did you know your judge? Did you know who it was? No, but now that I've been training there at Syosset, uh Jorge was one of my judges, a um, couple other people that I've seen at Syosset briefly. but Jorge, who just uh, recently opened the, ta- the, Tiger, the new brand new Tiger Showman School in Jackson Heights. Yeah, good for him. That's awesome. Um, well, I'm sorry. No, he was my judge for kickboxing. But uh, back to grappling, I remember uh, my competitor. I remember, of course, you're, you're there in the competitor line. You see everyone in your division. You kind of eye them up, and you're like, I think I can go against him well. I might have a tough time with him. There's some people, even if you've gone to other schools, I had this with kickboxing where someone I trained with at a hot pog school, and I said, ooh, that guy's a slugger. I don't want to go against him in kickboxing. Sure enough, I go against him in kickboxing. Uh, but grappling, my first round, it was uh, I submitted the guy with the triangle. I won that round. I went on to the next round and went against somebody from Syosset, and they beat me by points really well. They held control the whole time, so they, they were a tough fight. So what was the value of the competition experience for you? What was it you took out of that? You know, I went with the mindset of bring home gold, and, you know, it doesn't happen to everybody, but the biggest thing was go there, compete. Actually have the confidence to go there and look at everyone you're going to go against, feel the nerves, and actually overcome them. You know, the biggest thing was, I feel nervous. Ooh, I'm scared to be here. But once you get past the nerves and you compete and you're off the mat, say, wow, I did that. I'm proud of that. You know, it was a sense of accomplishment. Well, know? even when you look back at, when you think about the person who you were that you described just a little while ago when you were talking about the person that you were who left class for being too anxious to, uh, about coming back, I don't think that version of Dom would have ever been able to compete psychologically. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the other things that you've accomplished uh, uh, since you've been back. Obviously, definitely some belts. That's mm. definitely uh, that, that's definitely a case. Uh, but the most significant thing that you've uh, achieved is Don became one of my instructors in the school. He was one of the first graduating class of my level one instructorship program, meaning Dom. Uh, along with a few other people, graduated through the program uh, with the certification to teach someone all the way through the beginner program and promote them to the ranks all the way through the beginner program as well. Uh, He's a fixture in the school here, and he's here helping me with kids' classes all the time, and uh, he even has a couple of adult classes that he teaches uh, every Monday and every Friday at 11 a.m. 
So tell me uh, about the instructor training process. What motivated you to to be uh, so persistent towards me about it? Because Dom was kind of beating down my door, like Sensei, I want to I want to do more. I want to get more involved. How can I do it? So tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I, I remember before we actually started the program, the instructor program. It was over the summer, uh, I believe 2018, where I started helping out with the kids' class because weeks before that, I went to Joshu and I thought to myself, you know, like, I'm really happy here and I love what I do here and I want to be more involved. I want to do something. So I remember asking Joshu, uh, what's it like, you know, being here every day? What's it like working with the kids? Do you like it? And he's like, yeah, it's great. I was like, is there anything I can do? Can I get more involved somehow? And. I guess you guys had in the works the instructor program already. He told me, he's like, well, Sensei already has a plan for you and a couple other people. I know that's a surprising phrase for you. (laughs) Sensei has a plan, right? (laughs) (laughs) So from then on out, I was helping with the kids' classes for a while, and that went on for a few months, and then we officially started the instructor program, myself and three others. And, you know, we had a binder and we went through the curriculum we had a weekly topic that we discussed so going through that starting it and feeling like wow i'm taking a step in a really good direction you know to start teaching being there with the kids and being there not just for myself but for everyone else and seeing everyone's level of progression you know i could see where i'm at one day and the next week i could see where i'm at but then see other people take these challenges and overcome them was something exceptional and I absolutely love it. Yeah. So now tell me about the experience uh, for, for the final exam for the instructor program. Mm. I made everybody teach an adult beginner class while I sat there and watched them, which is about as nerve wracking an experience as you can get. Mm. So uh, tell me how you felt doing that. Uh, and t- Tell me about that day. The hardest part about it, of course, having you and Joshua watching you know, peeking through the window or looking over the desk. How's their class going? We know you're watching. Everyone that did that trial class, we know you're watching. Other than the technical stuff, making sure the music is playing, making sure the clock is right, once you got that sorted out, it was fine. But to keep yourself motivated but not get too inside your own head where, should I say this? What about that? Did I do this? You kind of psych yourself out. But if you ground yourself, you come back to it and you say, all right, Go through the format, make sure you hit these topics, start teaching. It gets easier. You know, now that I've been teaching... Yeah, you've been running the, the day program now since September, so we're, we're on five months now that you've been running that program. Five full months. Mm. So let's talk about that experience. You've got, you've got a nice contingent of classes, students who are exclusively your own. Tell me about that. Uh, we have a great morning class. You know, us that train consistently in the morning. We all have our inside jokes now. Three of the uh, female mothers that train now call them the thundercats or, or charlie's angels <laughs> that's that, we, that's the one i always hear charlie's angels we, we all come and we have a good laugh i go ah it's charlie's angels and they, they go oh you must be charlie then i was like i suppose so then but i, we, I suppose you've been called worse than charlie <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> but we all have a laugh about that and everyone else that comes in and train uh another student from hop hog comes in and trains occasionally which is awesome to have it's a lot of fun especially once you know everyone gets in the groove of things we have a morning class we're there on time, we start when we start, and we have a killer class every time. So it's it's awesome to see these people excited to come in. They come in, oh man, Monday class, Friday class. I always tell them, all right guys, Monday class, start the week off right. Or Friday, all right guys, we did Friday, go on, enjoy the weekend. You know, we worked our butts off, so it's awesome to have that camaraderie. 
Absolutely. See, and I think your story, the reason I wanted to talk to you is just the, the journey that you've taken from being the young man that you described. Like, I, I have clear, vivid memories of not even Dom uh, at his return, but Dom before his exit when he was the very inconfident 16, 17-year-old um, training with his brother and his brother's friend uh, being, you know, uh, a little shy and there and happy, but, you know, definitely on the shyer side uh, to now going from that level of confidence that he was at to now leading people, to having people, I mean, his students trust him to, to this unbelievable level to the point where, uh, as he mentioned, many of the people in his class are parents in the school who have kids that train. To the So they trust him even to the point where when w- their kids are having a hard time in class, they ask Dom to talk to him instead of me. And so to see that journey is so spectacular and to hear the story even further uh, about where your mind was and where it is, it just proves the power of just getting off your butt and getting and doing something. Again, obviously, I believe so much in martial arts and obviously I believe so much in Tiger Shulman's. But just the power of getting off your butt and getting to work, of not doubting yourself, of saying to yourself, I can do this. All I need to do is the first step. When I talked to John in episode four, he, he, he summed up coming back from an injury as like, okay, you just do today. Just do today. And then you can worry about tomorrow. And that's getting back on the horse with everything. Listen, everybody falls off sometimes. Everybody does. And that's okay. That's normal. That's human. But then we have to get back on the horse because what lies on the other side of that scary step back on the horse, that scary step back on track, that's where, that's where the best parts of life are. Tom, do you want to uh, leave us with anything else before I, uh, I sign us out of here? I think you really hit the nail on the head, which, you know, once you fall off, it seems almost impossible to get back on that horse. But once you get back on, you start that journey again, you start staying consistent, you see... Because you were at that point of where I was. I realized how bad things were. And then I started training again. And I realized, wow, life is great now. I knew what I once was, and I don't want to be there again. So let me stay consistent. Let me keep going in the right direction. You know, training is really what helps put things back together, at least for myself. And I know I could do it for a lot of other people. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, with that being said, another another great story from some of the people here in the school. That always motivates me so much to hear hear everybody's stories. Um, so, with that being said, please find the podcast. We're on Instagram, uh, TS Smithtown Podcast. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. So every Wednesday when I drop them, you get them right away. Share the podcast, please. The more people that hear it, the better. So please share it on social media. Share the links. Share it on YouTube. Let people hear it. Uh, Again, we are on YouTube as well. Uh, Please leave us a rate and review on YouTube on your favorite podcasting app. It just helps. Uh, You can find me, Sensei Leonelli, at Gmail uh, is my email address. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Sensei underscore Leonelli. You can find my school at tsksmithtown.com. On Facebook, uh, we are facebook.com slash Tiger Shulman Smithtown. And you can find us on Instagram and and Twitter at tsmma underscore Smithtown. And until next time, guys, I will see you on the mat.